podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show College Days. I'm Nat Coombs, he's Ben Isaacs. We've got a reasonably new theme tune, but Ben, but, 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 still no TikTok. I'm starting to feel like TikTok will be like friends reunited by the time <laughs> by the time we're on it it's gonna be bebo by the time <laughs> we make it good to see about a ton to get into on this week's show because it is all happening in the college game we've got championship weekend we've got a rebooted top four more of that in a moment mm-hmm. plus two shocking coaching changes which i and mike and i were getting into just a little bit on the show earlier this week but i'm mike you know he's a he's a gracious kind of soul he figured you're going to be dropping the big guns the hot takes on college day so he didn't encroach in your territory too much but it's massive news with lincoln riley uh, moving on from oklahoma brian kelly heading to lsu this kind of stuff just doesn't happen typically at this stage of proceedings anyway. So we're going to get into that and the repercussions, not least whether there are any NFL faces right now that might be mm. having one eye on those <laughs> gigs. All of that to come. But let's kick things off with the playoff rankings. They are, of course, the penultimate playoff rankings. And the big news, the big change is Michigan. Go blue. Michigan rolling into not just into the top four, Ben, but into the top two. And thoroughly deserved their their game against Ohio State was absolutely fantastic. Like there were there were so many great games last weekend, and there were ones that were closer and had wilder finishes. Mm. But in terms of just the spectacle of Michigan Ohio State, which is a game that is so big, they call it the game. The game. Like, let's it's let's so- put this in the into context then for for listeners who are aware that Michigan are a, a, a big organization, that Ohio State are a big organization, but Michigan have been on the wrong side of that equation for a number of years now, right? Despite mm. having Harbour and uh, more of him in a minute, but despite having a huge fan base, plenty of traction still in terms of recruiting and the superstar head coach, things haven't been at all as they'd hoped with uh, during the Harbour era. And in particular, this rivalry hasn't played out well for him until it ha- now. No, it hasn't even been a rivalry, has it? It's been mm. so one-sided and... It's, it'd be one thing if Michigan work always, or at least on the period we're talking about, if they were always the second best team in the conference behind Ohio State, but frequently they've fallen behind Penn State, mm. uh, Michigan State, Wisconsin. And that's not how it should be. There are two really big guns in that conference. With all due respect to Penn State, those two big guns are Ohio State and Michigan. And the way it's set up is that they should play at the end of the season for a spot in the championship game. And this is how it worked out this year. And finally, Michigan got over the hump. And the thing is, is that Harbaugh's had no success against Ohio State. And uh, there was, at one time, he took the job. Urban Meyer had the job at Ohio State. And it felt like this is going to be the rivalry in college football for like a decade. Mm. And then Urban Meyer left and Harbaugh's not been able to get it done. And he's... Although he has kind of revamped the offense a little bit, introducing... Um, some new concepts. It is still good old fashioned smash mouth football that Jim Harbaugh loves. And he 
and the, the guys just got it done against Ohio State. And I had no rooting interest in this game. I just wanted it to be a great game. And it was a great game. Michigan led from start to finish, but that doesn't mean it was a, a procession. Mm. And the emotion after that win with the players and the fans storming the field and Jim Harbour. And Jim Harbour doesn't like the Ohio State coach, Ryan Day. And there's always been stuff back and forth with the two schools. They really don't like each other. Like you go around Ohio State and you will find... On a, like on a sign, a street sign, people will cross out the letter M because they hate Michigan so much. That's how great it is. You know, like they, if you walked around the Ohio State campus in a Michigan jersey, um, you would end up in a dustbin. You'd be and roll down a hill. Roll down. It, the, it, was it more or less emotional the Michigan win than when Macho Man married Miss Elizabeth? <laughs> it was. It's. It is. It's one of those generational moments. It's similar. Every, it's similar. Yeah, but in, yeah. all, in all seriousness, let's put this in uh, into context because outside of uh, obviously the huge win in relation with regards to to that great rivalry, which has been a long time coming, without laboring the point, now Michigan are in the box seat for a playoff spot. So they are on for a shot at the, at the national championship. Is it fair to say that Harbour was on the, uh, the hot seat going into this year? Is that overstating it? I th- only for one reason. And that's because he redid his contract. He knew that he'd underachieved. And like, it was always said that the only, t- only two jobs he would leave the 49ers for were Michigan or the Chicago Bears. Of course, he was drafted by the Chicago Bears after playing quarterback at Michigan. Those were his teams, but especially Michigan. He was is he, a Michigan was man. He Jim McMahon's backup. He came in. No, no, no. He after. would have been. Tom Zach would have been the incumbent Tom's when Harbour yeah. came in. Mm, okay. Um, so he loves it at Michigan so much so that he went to the administration and said, "You know what? I know I'm not really getting it done. Let's redo my contract, lower my contract, so that I only." get the full amount if I win the Big Ten, if I win the national championship and had all these kind of clauses in there. Now, coaches don't usually do this. So he is not one of the top paid coaches in that conference, even though he's one of the one of the big names of the sport. Like Michigan State, they've just redone the contract for Mel Tucker, their head coach. He's getting 95 million over the next 10 years, which is just an insane amount. He's getting paid like Nick Saban money. And if you're, no, I mean, like, just it's it's wild. Like, it, like Mel Tucker. If you're an NFL fan and you don't know much about college football, Mel Tucker was defensive coordinator for the Bears and was appalling. Um, I don't think he was suited to the NFL, and he was an assistant under Nick Saban, and he's done really well at Michigan State. But to the point where he's one of the top coaches in the in mm. football, I I disagree. So now Harbour is starting to get these bonuses back. But he said he's going to give the bonus away yes. because there are people at Michigan who had to have their wages reduced because of COVID, and he is covering the difference as much as he can. This is Jim Harbaugh and his love for Michigan in a nutshell. And can, can you imagine NFL coaches doing this? This is one of the things that's just beautiful about college mm. football. People care that much more. It is not just the job mm. for Jim Harbaugh. He wanted to do this for Michigan, mm. for the fans and for people like him. And after the game, he said, you know, oh, there's been a lot of talk from the other side and we're going um, to take the high road. And then he immediately 
said, oh, you know, you've got people at Ohio State who, and to use a, to use a baseball analogy, he said, um, who were born on, um, who were born on third base and think they hit a triple. And he's referring to Ryan Day inheriting a fantastic squad Ooh, when I Urban like Meyer line. left. Like so even when he says, oh, I'm not going to rise to it, he, he gets super salty. Uh, That's like the it. rivalry. So, you know, we've got Georgia at number one, as they've been for most of the season. Just, just oh, so on Michigan, sorry, just on, just on, on that point, because it, it, it's a great point you make about his... Uh, love of the organization. And that really came across. I was watching, I think we've probably talked about it on this show earlier on this season, but watching the all or nothing with Michigan mm. three years ago, I want to say three. Yeah. And it is a difficult season for them and very representative, I guess, of the majority of Harbaugh's tenure up to this season, right? Promising a lot moments of, brilliance, flattering to deceive, and ultimately inconsequential given their high standards, right? But what was abundantly clear was, and made it quite difficult watching at times because of that abject failure, how much it meant to him, how important, how invested he was. And every coach in any organization pretty much will tell you that they are. Every player pretty much will will tell you that they are. Unless it's Jay Cutler or, or Jared Goff more recently in, <laughs> in Detroit. It looks like he wants the Marriott would want to be anywhere but there. But there's a difference between saying it and meaning it and, and clearly feeling it. And Harbour puts his money where his mouth is. So that really, really astute point in terms of the, the difference there and how that needs to be celebrated. That We talked about it, God, on the radio, Going Global, the radio show back when when COVID first hit, we've talked about it on various shows with this pod over the last 18 months, the impact that COVID has had on collegiate sports and lesser programs that have always been inferior anyway, fiscally for, for fairly obvious reasons, but getting blown away, even at big organizations, big institutions, I should say like Michigan. And so for him to not just give the same old spiel it's in my heart, all of this stuff, but putting his money where his mouth is props to hardball. Really, really I, I, I hope he goes on. They go on with the whole thing. Now. I mean, if you are, a, if you are a neutral, it is hard to root against Michigan right now. Right. And the, and the reason I'm saying I, that I wanted to point out Georgia, number one, Michigan, mm. number two, it's important because if that stays as it is, right, if Georgia win the SEC championship, obviously they'll stay at number one, Michigan, if they win their, the big 10 championship, it's unlikely they that anyone will leapfrog them. They'll, you know, they we know they'd stay in the top four, but they'd probably stay number two. Mm-hmm. And that's important because Georgia are the clear favorites in this, and you mm-hmm. want to avoid Georgia. Everyone's going to be good in that top four. When you've only got four, they are going to be elite. But if you can avoid Georgia, you've got a really good chance of making the national championship game. And then if it's just a one-off championship, even if it's against Georgia, it can be done. Mm. Michigan are three wins away from being national champions. Now, those are going to be three tough games, but it is not beyond the realms of possibility. And it would be a wonderful, wonderful story. And unless you're an Ohio State fan or a fan mm. of another Big Ten school and you don't like Michigan, it's, it's impossible to not feel warmed by it because he is a, he is a true Michigan man. He loves that. He loves the school so much. He loves everything about it that this means something special to him. So it's hard to root against him. And I think I think you're right. I think there's going to be a lot of people who 
who want them to win the whole thing. Um, currently at number three is Alabama um, because, of course, um, and then number four, Cincinnati. So Georgia are 12 and 0, Michigan 11 and 1, Alabama 11 and 1, Cincinnati 12 and 0. And there's two teams at five and six who are still just about in play. One of them very much in play. Oklahoma State are at number five. Mm. They're 11 and 1. And then the number six, Notre Dame, also at 11 and 1. Notre Dame have a massive, massive disadvantage. And that's that because they are an independent, they will not be in a conference championship game this weekend. They are done now. They are done until either their bowl game or if they somehow make the playoffs because there's chaos that happens ahead of them. But Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, Alabama, and Oklahoma State have got huge games this weekend to make a statement that will define where they go after this. Okay, so we're going to get into, I want to look at the bowl games and, and then how that can uh, affect, or the championship games, I should say, and how that could affect the playoff picture in a bit more detail. Then we'll talk about those, those college changes, uh, the coaching changes in particular. But just to recap, refresh, for the benefit of our listeners and particularly those who uh, are new to college days, you might be listening to the other shows we put out, uh, but are new to college days, so welcome and new to the pod, full stop. Hello, welcome. Good to have you along for the ride. Ben, just quickly explain how the playoff seedings are ultimately reconciled because back in the day, well, I mean, obviously the, the seedings are one thing, but the, the playoff is a relatively new mm. development in in college football. So when you say, well, uh, Notre Dame aren't able to influence anything on the field now because they don't have a conference championship. So how would they get into the top four? What needs to happen and, and who ultimately decides that? It's ultimately decided by the College Football Playoff Committee who meets uh, every week in Grapevine, Texas. And they sit down and they watch games and they compare data points and they start ranking teams ahead of one another. And if, let's say, they're comparing Oklahoma State and Notre Dame, the teams ranked fifth and sixth, the people who are part of that committee, if they have a connection to one of those two schools, they have to leave the room while that's being discussed. Interesting. So, yeah. so you can't have someone there who perhaps played for Notre Dame, stumping for Notre Dame in the room. I now, love the idea of someone in a really bad beard. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you mean. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just waiting to get my invite to the playoff committee. I can, it's I can, your I dream can job, it. Ben. Your dream oh, I would job. love it. And I, I mean... I love Texas anyway. Just send me out to Texas. Mm. Put me up in this resort. It's a big resort in Texas. I could just be there, watch games and argue about who should be where. It's a, it's a dream. So can we try and blag you in? So kind of like a wedding crashes type vibe where uh, you just start rocking up and we add to you, we kind of hack into the <laughs> system. You're added as an extra, you know, oh, it's uh, it, suddenly you're there and making decisions and real catch me if you can start stuff oh i mean this needs to be a film i mean I, we we need to get the film production company going because we i feel like we've got an entire series of college football films that we can that we can get made and get there's got to be funding out there i'm gonna get ollie on it up uh, so oh. ollie's priority at the moment number one tiktok number two uh film production company yeah yeah college football related comedies anything on a campus is mm. great campus comedies um so they they put together their top 25 and within that the most important part is the top four because number one plays number four and number two plays number three and those are the semi-finals 
of the college football playoff. And then the rest of the rankings will determine who goes where in the bowl games. And there are certain bowl games that are attached to certain conferences, but those bowl games also rotate as semifinals for the college football playoff. So traditionally, the Rose Bowl is the winner of the Pac-12. That's the, that's the West Coast Conference against the winner of the Big Ten, which is the main one in the Midwest. And that's, that's like the oldest rivalry in terms, of, in terms of bowl games. That is the granddaddy of them all. We, um, we talked about that recently. And that's when it always feels special when that is two teams from those conferences, mm. but it is diluted now because of the fact it's a, it's a semi-final as well. Um, so you have the, you have the other, you have the other big bowl games like the, the, the sugar bowl, the orange bowl, the, the cotton bowl. And these bowl games have become devalued. Now they, um, unless they're a playoff game, you're finding a lot of players are opting out. They want to stay healthy uh, for the draft, which mm. is understandable because so much focus is now on the playoff that it's that if you're not in the playoff, you're nowhere. Mm. And it's a little bit sad because the bowl games were something special, but I think things have changed. And I still love the bowl games in part because over kind of the Christmas week, you've got, game, you've got multiple games on every single day. Loving that. You, you, can turn, you can turn it on and it's like, okay, it's San Diego State versus Coastal Carolina or whatever. Yeah, the, I, I particularly like the lesser commercially <laughs> sponsored yes. Chick-fil-A bowls. Yeah. Isn't, isn't, um, isn't Jimmy Fallon sponsoring one of the bowl games? Is he? Let's have a look at that. I love that. Uh, there's, like, they've all got sponsors now, as you can imagine. And I feel like Jimmy Fallon has sponsored a bowl game. And I don't know if it was kind of done as a joke. Oh, Jimmy Kiss, Jimmy Kimmel. Jimmy Kimmel, not Jimmy. Yeah, it's there you go. Kimmel. Jimmy uh, it's Kimmel. The Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, I love that. Um, uh, so, okay. So let's have a look at it then. So uh, first things first, Michigan are playing Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, you will love this, Ben, because I know how much you love a game predictor. And so mm. I uh, thought I'd help you out here. And my gift to you in this festive season you love a good percentage chart. Yeah, I do. I do love that. We often get into on our radio show. Incidentally, join me and Ben TalkSport 2, 5 o'clock live Sunday uh, for our NFL Red Zone live show, uh, plus special guests. Uh, <laughs> that's this number. Uh, so if Michigan wins, this is courtesy of ESPN, Michigan wins independently of any other result. Yeah. It has a 90% chance to reach the playoffs. If Michigan loses to Iowa, mm. Its chances plummet, says ESPN, yeah. to 13%. It's- uh, and also, just a little follow-up there, Michigan has a 77% chance to beat Iowa. So I, I think they will beat Iowa, but if they don't, then their season's over. You know, it, all God, that hard you work. imagine if they go out like that? Exactly. I mean, it's the, it feels like the ultimate letdown game. Mm. They've beaten Ohio State. That was so cathartic. Mm. They've got to get back up for Iowa now. Now, that game's on at um, on at one a.m. on Saturday. Definitely worth staying up for because if Michigan win that game, it will be the celebrations will be off the charts. But without uh, so we'll we'll mention the other games. But basically, what Notre Dame needs to happen. Yes, that was my original question. Yes, yes. Michigan, Michigan need to lose, so they're mm-hmm. now a two-loss team. Mm-hmm. You need Georgia to just hammer Alabama. 
Mm-hmm. So Alabama are a two-loss team, but people then will stop taking them seriously because they've been absolutely annihilated. Is there a chance, by the way, with Georgia, if they because they're they're guaranteed a playoff spot, whatever happens, right? Oh yeah, as as in, it's it's pretty much guaranteed that they will get picked. Yes. Yeah. Okay. As opposed, just to clarify that it isn't that they have done something, which means they're guaranteed. Yes. Okay. But will they get picked? So Georgia, a little bit like Week Seventeen uh, in the NFL. Or it's, I guess it's week 18 now, right? Yeah, week 18 uh, now, yeah. In the NFL. Are they going to rest starters? I don't think they will, but they can afford to lose. The pressure is off them. If they lose, they will still be in that top four. They probably mm. wouldn't get number one. Um, but an Alabama, Alabama, you would... If anyone is going to get in as a two-loss team, it's going to be Alabama. They will okay. always get the benefit of the doubt. But... If Georgia lose, then they're the only ones out of the teams in the conference championships, I think, that can lose and still get in. Right. So let's say Alabama get battered by Georgia. Then they're a two-loss team. Let's say Houston beats Cincinnati. Cincinnati will then have one loss, but they'll have played a weaker schedule than Notre Dame. Mm. But they've beaten Notre Dame. So there'll be a lot of arguments to say, oh, well, who should be ahead, Cincinnati or Notre Dame? I think the committee would say Notre Dame. With better box office, right? Yes, And then you've got Oklahoma State against Baylor. Mm. If Oklahoma State lose, they've got two losses. Baylor have got two losses. In this instance, you could foresee Notre Dame being elevated because everyone has fallen back. However, when they announced the rankings last night on ESPN, Reese Davis asked the head of the committee, did they factor in the fact that Brian Kelly, the head coach of Notre Dame, had left the team when they were doing the rankings. And they said no, because he was there when they played the game. However, it could certainly play a part next week. Oh, boy, Brian Kelly. So it could be that that situation that I just mentioned happens, which is not beyond the realm of possibility. Baylor could beat beat Oklahoma State. They did it this season. Since that, he could lose. Alabama could get well beaten. Michigan could lose. Mm. And then the committee says, "Mm, but you know what? They've just lost their coach. Mm. I don't think they'd be any good in the playoff. They're not getting in. Can you imagine how those fans would feel? Think of how they feel about Brian Kelly right now anyway, having left. Yeah. Doing it and it costing them a place in the playoff, even though they didn't play a game. Well, let's let's a perfect segue into the Brian Kelly situation. So Lincoln Riley heading west, leaving Oklahoma to, to, to take over USC in a moment. But Brian Kelly, seeing as you mentioned him, he's left for LSU. So first things first, how much of a shock, not necessarily the timing, although I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute, but the move itself, how, uh, LSU, massive, massive organization, wonderful history, have been on slimmer, ground in recent years right well, i mean they won a national championship two years ago but they oh, were did they? Bad. Okay. they were bad last year you know the, the joe burrow team but they were bad oh, of course last, yeah, yeah they yeah. were bad last season in the I did, i've season. forgotten they won that so that yeah that great team okay so yeah but but that, that came out of nowhere that, that season that came out of nowhere because burrow was so incredible right and and before that it had been a lot they'd been a long so they basically so done not much for a long for a big for a massive massive heavyweight they were then that Championship team with Burrow, and then terrible the season after. Yeah, it's been it's been a strange it's been a strange situation there because they've been very much up and down. Mm. Um, but the past three coaches there have won national championships. Mm. 
Nick Saban, and obviously Nick Saban is amazing. Les like Miles, uh, yeah, Les Miles took over when Saban left. Mm-hmm. Les Miles is not a great coach. He's out of work right now, but he won a national championship at LSU. And then Ed Orgeron, who had kind of, it, this was his dream job, LSU, and he'd been, at, he'd been in other jobs. He'd been at USC, he'd been at Ole Miss and couldn't really get it done. And then at LSU, he put together a really good offense, got Joe Burrow through the transfer portal and caught lightning in a bottle and won a national championship. Mm. But the seasons either side of that were pretty poor. Mm-hmm. So it's been very up and down, but they've won three national championships since Notre Dame last won one of their own. Right. Now, it was incredibly shocking. Put it like when I on Sunday evening, um, when the Lincoln Riley news was coming through, I thought, no, this this can't this can't be right. Like Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma is a shock. So it was we were you know as a community we were surprised by that. And then when I woke up um, a day or two later and I saw some messages about about um, about Brian Kelly, I thought I genuinely thought that was a joke that Brian Kelly was going to LSU. I thought that was a joke. Hang on. Can we just jump back to when you woke up a day or two later? How big what I mean, Sunday night you had been? What I mean is, <laughs> is that um, it, wasn't, it wasn't the next morning. Mm. Um, that's what I meant. Um, so, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was so shocking. I was almost in a shock-induced coma. Amazing. Did, um, you, did you quantum leap? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I genuinely thought it was a joke. Yeah, it seemed so unreal. It did not seem like the move that he would make. I mean, I didn't think he was he was going to leave Notre Dame. Like that's that just seemed like the perfect job for him. It's just ideal. So why has he left? Well, I think he feels that he is done, and this will this will horrify a lot of fans of Notre Dame. I think he feels that they have done as much as they possibly can. Right. So the way that the, the way that the, the way that you win right now is recruiting and Notre Dame recruit really well. And Brian Kelly recruits really well. And he can go into especially Catholic high schools around America and pick out top players. But Notre Dame is a serious university. If you go to Notre Dame, the academic standards are really high and you are held to a high standard. It is tough to get in and it is tough to stay academically eligible. That, so you'd be fine. Me and Ollie would struggle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't <laughs> let Ollie through the gates. That, fair enough. Fair enough. But, Ollie, Ollie could have a good hunting kind of thing where he's, <laughs> he's the Jansen. They see all his edge rush stats and charts and graphs and suddenly he's a national sensation. And this is, this is the third film. This is the third film. I'm writing it down. Yeah. Um, so it's Notre Dame have been in the playoff twice. And in the seasons before the playoff, Brian Kelly took them to a national championship game. So he's got, he's got close three times, but in all of those times, they came up against a team that was much, much better, much, much deeper and were comprehensively beaten. Now at LSU, it's going to be easier to recruit. It's going to be easier to just get those kids through the door and keep them on the field, which mm. is difficult at Notre Dame. He wants to, he wants to win championships. And despite all the money splashing around at Notre Dame, they haven't got the facilities that schools like LSU 
have. Mm. Now, there is money at Notre Dame, but LSU in the SEC, their TV deal is absolutely insane. Mm -hmm. And things like the weight room and the barber shops they have for the players, and they've got a lazy river. It is incredible. It is beyond NFL level. Though those players going to LSU will see those facilities, and it is difficult for them to want <laughs> the, to commit so anywhere else. Borrow and Jamar Chase rocked up in Cincinnati, thinking, "What is? <laughs> what well, is this?" The thing is, is that Joe Burrow is probably why he was desperate to get out of Ohio. Like when he would have seen, right? LSU want me. It's mm. great weather, and we're going to just be in water slides all day. Let's <laughs> let's do it. So, it's what's crazy about all this is that I try to think of. NFL head coach is leaving one team to go straight to another team. Yes. Now in college football, that happens a lot, but it happens more like say in English football, mm -hmm. someone going from the championship to the premier league. Mm -hmm. Let's say you're a, a championship manager and you, you seem like the kind of hot young thing and established premier league club fires its manager and hires you. Yeah. You get a, you get appointments like that, like Billy Napier is leaving Louisiana raging Cajuns to take over at Florida. That seems like the natural sort of step. Mm. But for this, it's, it's like a top NFL coach going to another team. Now I could only think of three Don Shula going from the Colts to the dolphins. Mm -hmm. And he had fallen out with the Colts owner at the time. So he left for the dolphins and they offered him a ridiculous package. And yep. my God, he won more NFL games than anyone in history. So the Dolphins did the right thing. Um, Holgram, Mike Holmgren went from Green Bay to Seattle. Yes. Because he was given more autonomy over personnel. And Bill Belichick went from the Jets to the Patriots, but he was only a Jets head coach for like a week. Yes. Because he was hired, then realized it was an absolute Jets. <laughs> clown show. And the ownership was going absolutely crazy about trying to sell the team. And he just was like, I'm not doing this. Um, it didn't help that they basically made Bill Parcells his boss and he'd been trying mm -hmm. to get a Bill Parcells shadow. So those are the only three NFL examples I can think of. And in effect, college football had two in 48 hours. Wow. It's I, I've got, I've got a particular stat from um, ESPN, ESPN stats and information. They said over the past 30 years, there have been 12 instances of a coach winning at least 11 games in his final season at a power five or top level school of those 12, five left for the NFL mm -hmm. five, either retired or resigned due to NCAA violations or scandals. And two took a job at a different college football program. And that's Brian Kelly. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. That's, Love that. So, so Link Riley going to uh, USC. That's, what do, I, think, what do we think about that? I mean, where are USC right now? I mean, again, oh. incredible history, amazing place. I get the appeal, but and is that the partly the appeal? He can restore them to to former glories. Yes, I think I think that is the there is there are a lot of theories, um, some that are kind of a bit negative about Lincoln Riley, but I think the one that he likes is that he wants to be in Southern California. Mm -hmm. Who can blame him? <laughs> right, and he wants to rebuild USC and it be his rebuild. Now, when he took over Oklahoma, they were already good. He had, mm. he inherited um, a great program and he developed players who were coming through and has done a great job and won the big 12 
conference title many times. So he was and, at Baker. He was there when Baker was there. Yeah, he he got he got Baker through. He got Kyler Murray through. He was uh, Kyler, of course. Yeah. He was uh, Jalen Hurts um, coach for a season. Oh, because Hurts moved there from Alabama. Yeah, yeah. If, you know, three of the coaches, three three of the quarterbacks in the NFL right now, Lincoln Riley kind of put the finishing touches on them mm. at, at the very least, mm-hmm. um, and that's forgetting all the other offensive weapons. So mm. at USC. It is that this is such a splashy hire. This is massive, not just for USC, but for the entire Pac-12, who once again are not anywhere near the playoff. All of a sudden, the Pac-12 have got much more legitimacy. Lincoln Riley is one of the best offensive minds in the game. He's have to step up what he does with defense because the Oklahoma teams that he's put on the field have been a little bit soft defensively. So he's got to improve that, but I wouldn't put it past him. It's going to take a few seasons. Right. But we talked earlier in the season about what are the problems going on for the teams in the Pac-12 and especially those in California. And the number one thing is recruitment. Mm. There are some amazingly talented kids in California who are being lured away by other programs, including Oklahoma. So he has been known for going into California and picking off their best players. And they've been going to SEC country as well. They've been going all over, but they've generally not been staying at home. And he, I think it can persuade those kids to stay in California. He's probably going to get players to transfer from Oklahoma to USC so that they can be coached by him, live the high life in LA Mm. and start winning games. Because when USC are winning, there's no more glamorous team in college football. Where is the the USC campus? So it is near downtown LA. Mm. Of course, they play it. They play at the Coliseum. Um, so it is. It is full on. It is full on at USC. Like it is proper big city, mm. big time football. It feels much more NFL ish than most other places because yeah, you are but... right. You are right there in kind of urban Los Angeles. It's. He seems so excited now. Some people have said he's gone there because he's scared. He's gone there because he's scared of the SEC and Oklahoma will join the SEC in the next few seasons. Nobody knows exactly what year it's going to happen and that he does not want to be fishing in those rivers. This is the point Carlson was making. And I think you made it a few weeks back as well, that despite what Oklahoma has achieved, realistically, they're going to be middle of the pack in the SEC, right? Whereas USC is going to be a very big fish or they're going to be a very big fish. He, if he gets them anywhere near their potential, it should be them and Oregon in the conference championship game every season. Mm-hmm. Those are the two programs set up for success. In the SEC, there's like half a dozen teams. Now, mm. Oklahoma can go into the SEC, and if they can keep recruiting at a high level, then they can do well. Maybe, maybe they're like a nine and three team, which when the playoff expands to 12 teams, that could get you in, in the SEC, mm-hmm. but they've got to go through, they've got to be playing Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, who are having a resurgence, Florida, who've had a down year, but have so much potential there. Plus Texas will come over and Texas are bound to get good again at some points. That is an absolute murderous row of teams <laughs> to get through. Yes, there are more big teams in the SEC than, than all the others, all the other conferences. It is so top heavy. You've got some minnows like, um, like Vanderbilt and South Carolina and Mississippi State, but 
they are in the minority. If you are going to be successful, you've got to be out recruiting the likes of LSU, Georgia and Alabama, and also beating them on the field, which is very difficult. Georgia, like not many states produce more top class players than Georgia. If you look through um, NFL team rosters and just find out where players were born, Mm. a disproportionate amount are in Georgia and Georgia manages to keep most of those players within the state. Mm. They recruit really well, but they've still got to get past Alabama every time. And that is super tough. So, is he scared of the SEC? He's never going to admit it. It would probably be foolish to say it didn't play any sort of part. There were a lot of there were a lot of coaches who want to be in the SEC, and I think maybe he didn't feel that was right for him. Now, when the playoff expands, you you would imagine because the, the first the first revision of the playoff has changed things a little bit. So when they announced this plan for a twelve team playoff. They said the top five conference winners, uh, top six conference winners would go would go in automatically, um, and the Power Five conferences want it to be no no no, it's the winner of each of the Power Five and one group of five. Mm. They want a guaranteed spot. Now, most years, even the Pac-12 is going to be in that top six conferences, but either way, if he can win the Pac-12 most seasons he's in the playoff most seasons, mm-hmm. whereas Oklahoma would not be in the playoff most seasons. And it's yeah. about being in that playoff and trying to win it. And we've seen USC win it. We've seen Pete Carroll dominate college football at USC because he was able to recruit mm-hmm. like, a, like a demon. I think Lincoln Riley, can, Lincoln Riley can do that. Like Brian Kelly, he's, he's got a recruit in Louisiana and something that won't have gone unnoticed to him the best college football teams, best, best high school football teams in Louisiana mm. are Catholic high schools. And he is just used to recruiting almost exclusively in Catholic high schools. He can go in there and he will clean up. It's mm. important for places like LSU to keep the best Louisiana players in states, just like it is for Georgia. And it doesn't, doesn't always happen. But if you are going to be successful, it comes down to recruiting. And a lot of what has gone into the decisions for Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly will come down to recruiting. Brilliant stuff, Ben. Let's wrap with your picks. I want you on here committed to tape to tell us who your top, you don't necessarily have to do the order unless you want to, you're feeling ambitious, but who are the final four going to be? Okay. Well, what I'll do is here are the four championship games that I think will play a part. And I'll say who I think is going to win. So, okay. Oklahoma State against Baylor is Saturday, mm-hmm. 5 p.m., the Big 12 Championship. I think Oklahoma State will win. So I'm going with chalk there. Um, 9 p.m. on Saturday, the American, Athletic, the American Athletic Conference, Cincinnati against Houston. I think that's going to be a close one, but I think Cincinnati will win. Again, I'm going with chalk. Sorry. SEC Championship also at 9 p.m. on Saturday, Georgia against Alabama. Now, I think Georgia will win, but I think, again, it's going to be close. Mm. And then the Big Ten Championship game, 1 a.m. Saturday, I think Michigan are going to beat Iowa. Now, that means Georgia would stay at number one. I think Michigan would stay at number two. And this is where it then gets complicated. I think Oklahoma State would move to three. And then I think Alabama would drop out. Of the top four? Of the top four, Whoa. having 
having lost the squeaker to Georgia. And I think they will respect Cincinnati's unbeaten season and not mm. drop them out for a two loss team. And it would put Cincinnati at four. So we'd end up with, in this instance, Georgia versus Cincinnati, Michigan versus Oklahoma State. And I think we'd have a Georgia versus Michigan championship game, which I would expect Georgia to win reasonably comfortably, mm. which is not a knock on Michigan. It's just how dominant they are. Georgia have been. You, That's my prediction. I love that, Ben. You watchers, uh, listeners will clearly understand that <laughs> over the course of the season, a, a ridiculous amount of college ball. I love whacking on on Saturday night and typically watch Georgia or Alabama or the big game that is on and, and kind of concentrate on that. I have got on and that. So I'm, I'm, I am prefacing what I'm about to say <laughs> on don't pay any attention and certainly don't gamble on what I'm about to suggest. I've got a feeling Alabama might beat Georgia. I, it can easily happen if anyone, although in my, in my scenario, I just laid out Alabama aren't even in the top four. If any of these teams can beat Georgia, it's Alabama right. because they know how know to them. do it. Yeah. Nick Saban knows Georgia back to front. Whereas the other teams, if they face Georgia, they won't have spent years mm. playing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one will be absolutely intense. I and cannot wait for that game. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic because Alabama know that if they win, they're in. Yes, Georgia, yes, Georgia yes, don't want Alabama in it. They want to knock them out completely because they could easily face them again. And do I fancy Georgia to beat Alabama twice? Probably not. Where's the game? Is it in Bama or is it in Georgia? No, it's a uh, neutral start. Well, it's actually oh, it's a championship game. So it's a neutral. Yeah, it's it, not all. Not all the conference championships are neutral sites, but mm. all of these ones oh. are, I believe. Okay. Um, that one is actually though in Atlanta because it's in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Oh, well, that helps Georgia then. It it does, but they'll have had an equal allocation, and they like the Super Bowl. It'll be yeah, yeah, and both teams will have sold out. But better than a Super Bowl in the you'll know this. Third of the fans there are fans of those teams whereas at these championship games it is it is more like um say a semi-final of the fa cup yeah okay where, where they do kind of you do get quite a good allocation and it is kind of split down the middle so that one will be the atmosphere of that will be great all of these ones because there is so much at stake mm. each of these teams know that it, as in each of the teams in contention know that they need to win apart from georgia but there's no way Georgia are going to be like, oh, it's fine. We won't bother. But the pressure is off them. And maybe being relaxed against Alabama is going to help. I don't wait. What is, the, what is the Ben Isaacs approach for Saturday in the, in the bowl games? Obviously, the Lazy Boys out, the fridge, yeah. mini fridge with beer. Are you yeah, it's, ringing a bell to be getting food brought to you? How's that going to work? <laughs> is there a buzzer system? Yeah, I'm, I think um, I'm hoping that uh, so my, you know, my daughter's 10. And she she loves the game, so I'm hoping she will be running to the kitchen, yes. back and forth. Um, it's sometimes when it's a late one, it's like how do I how do I stay awake? But the way that these games kind of go through, I think it's going to be you're not going to have time to start feeling sleepy. I mean, that Cincinnati Houston game is on at the same time Georgia Alabama, so that's a two screener. Mm. You know, if you focus on just one of those, you're you're going to be in trouble because there's too much mm -hmm. there's too much happening. So I've got to be double screening for that one. And often I'll try to watch as many different games at once, but I'm going to focus on these four. There are others going on at the same time, but because they're not going to affect the playoff, I'm drilling down into these ones. 
and not going to stop till like 4.30 a.m. when Michigan win the Big Ten and then try to stay awake on air with you. On yeah, Sunday. this is reassuring because you'll be on air with me about 12 hours later. So yeah, look, yeah, yeah. Forward to, look forward to that performance. <laughs> we'll, uh, we will get into it, I'm sure, on that show. And we'll certainly get into it on next week's college days. At Tweets for Ben is how you follow the big man on Twitter. Make sure you do enjoy my friend. I will see you Sunday, I hope. We'll check, yeah. we'll check in yeah. with you around three o'clock just to check you're, you're actually awake. Because based on what you said earlier on, you might well sleep for 48 to 72 hours, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. When, you're, when you're dealing with the coaching carousel, the days are all blending into one. If you said to me, what, what day was the Brian Kelly news announced? I'd be like, uh, Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday, or Wednesday. It was one of those. One of the four. Brilliant yeah. stuff. I will see you Sunday. Look after yourself. Cheers. Bye. Podcast Network.